Now, today we're joined by a very special guest, Matthew. Mate, um, you've got a pretty incredible story that I've heard before. Uh, there are probably quite a few viewers that haven't heard of your story. Do you mind giving us a bit of an insight into your life up until now? Yeah, for sure. I'll um, introduce myself. I am uh, some 22 years old. I'm a mental fitness facilitator. I go around internationally running workshops at high schools and corporations for people to become more mentally strong, overcome their fears, but also become more resilient. Cool. Wow. And the reason I do it though is literally my story is because of the journey that I went on. Mental fitness, physical fitness, mental health, all big things that I really played a significant role in my earlier life and started when I was 12. Mm. Now, you guys are both pretty young. I'm sure you guys can remember what it was like transitioning from, I don't know, primary school to high school. Mm. Scary. Know. Yeah, you, you, you're scared? scared? How, was scared. How, how did you feel? Man, I was alright. I was pretty really? much the top dog of primary school. Oh, <laughs> yeah. transitioning to high That's school. why you make a good vice <laughs> agent because you're so egotistical. I actually love <laughs> <laughs> Um But yeah, tell us. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was excited personally. I was mm. like, I'm sick of primary school, can't wait for big school to come. Mm. Dude, it came and you know, like it was everything I sort of thought it would be, you know, like I, I had a lot of friends. From the outside, everything's looking great, mm. right? So just for the viewers, which school did you go to? Um, so I went to Gilroy. Gilroy, in, in the Hills District. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. Yeah, and it was a great school, nothing, it wasn't a school at all. Though, now personally, I used to always hear, you know, everything happens for a reason. Everyone has a purpose. I was like, all right. And then being brought up in a Catholic upbringing, in a Catholic school as well, I was always hearing, you know, you know you'll find your purpose through God, through the Bible. And I started thinking to myself, well, okay, I don't resonate with that. It doesn't seem real. What's my purpose though? And I don't know how, you, I don't know how to answer that. I'm 12 years old. Mm. <laughs> Well, then I thought, well, shit, if I wasn't here, would anything actually be different if I was dead? Mm. It's hard to answer that when you're alive. Well, then I asked myself, well, if purpose is about actually adding value to other people, do I actually play any role in society and am I actually of value? And, and these thoughts were running through your head at 12? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And at that point, I have my answer, right? I'm 12 years old, have no job. What do I have? I live here with my parents. Okay. So I'm just taking up space. So if I was gone and dead, nothing would be different or change around here. There'd just be more space for someone else who has more meaning and purpose in their life, which then would mean for me that my life meant nothing. Mm. That's how I got my answer. I really didn't like that. Mm. And because I, I mean, I spent ages trying to change that answer, mm. but I couldn't. And I just labeled myself as worthless. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling the way I did at the time, like, and I used to see everyone, like, no one would talk about their emotions, right? And Except for the girls. Yeah. Even then, like, you don't notice that as a guy, yeah. right? You don't notice it. And, like, in my family, they would just keep things to themselves. And if someone was upset, you know, they'd be quiet. They'd be in the corner or whatever. They'd keep to themselves. They'd be in the room. But they no, weren't talking to anyone. They wouldn't talk to anyone, and no one would approach them. Mm. So what am I thinking? I see my, my friends and my family do that. I'm doing the same thing. I'm not talking about it. Mm. Now, six months later, I fell into drugs quite heavily. Mm. So 12 years old? Now, now 13. 13? Really? Yeah, yeah. What type of drugs, if you don't mind me? Started off with pop, then I quickly got into coke. Really? 13, yeah, yeah. Wow. The, and obvious question, how the hell did he fund it? There's only one way when you're that age. 
yeah. you need to start selling yourself. And so I, um, yeah, got immersed in that, that whole world, which, yeah. It's wow. interesting in itself. That's extremely young. Yeah, but here's, here's my way of thinking, right? And when I first found, so like the first time, my first experience with drugs was with weed, right? Yep. So, so my, my first time trying pot was, I'll say I was 13, this is Christmas holidays. And I was, you know, hanging out with some mates. They weren't local. They weren't from my like, area or my school. So cause I used to skate a lot before my injury, right? And I was, you know, with, um, so I used to go to my grandparents' house every week. And before I'd go there, I'd go to the local skate park. Mm. Now, when I was there, you, you're there enough, you become friends with people. Mm. And eventually stepped over one of their houses. Didn't see it coming, but that night they asked if I wanted to smoke pot. And, you know, I was like, look, I don't know. I, all I know about drugs is what I've learned from school. And he's like, dude, what do you, what do you mean? It'll just mellow you out and make you feel good. Mm. And when he said that, it like clicked in my head because for six months now, I've been feeling depressed. Mm. here's something that's going to mellow me out make me feel good sure why mm. the hell not mm. and that's why I got, so the reason I got started you could say it was peer pressure but it was also my own thinking and it, it I wanted to escape the pain mm. when I found coke I thought this was my answer if I thought weed was good I thought this was mm, <laughs> next yeah. level and yeah. I would go man like it was such a repetitive loop of feeling worthless. When I felt worthless, I would go to it. Then afterwards, I come crashing down because I'm comparing myself to me being high and me being sober versus high. I'm like, no, I don't want these thoughts. I need to kill it. It's just this continuous cycle. Mm. But I met a girl four months later at school who became my girlfriend. And, you know, she's innocent. She's mm. sweet. She's, you know, I, I, she wouldn't hurt a fly. And I couldn't tell her about the drugs she would leave me surely she was so innocent but not only that I wasn't going to tell her about how I was feeling mm -hmm. I'd felt so down and I already hadn't told anyone it's a year later why the hell am I going to tell her a few months into our relationship we were both at a party and she caught um, some of my well she found out some of my friends at school started smoking pot and that I had joined them that night and she approached me and she's like Matt why were you smoking that night yeah. I told her the truth I told her I mean, <laughs> everything. Everything, yeah. I just mm. told her, look, I've been feeling this way. This is the reason why, but it's not just weed. I've been doing coke. I've been dealing to keep it up. Wow. And she's like, Matt, look, I can't have this in my life. Take me, I'll take the drugs. Mm. Wow. And which one do you take? Well, to her face. I, I said, look, I, like, I'll leave the drugs. Don't worry, I want to stay with you. In my mind, was a different story, right? Mm. It, it's like, <laughs> who do you think you are? How dare you? Like, you you've been with me for what four months? No, I've been using this for what eight. I've been mm. using this for a lot longer. This is helping me. Mm. Who the fuck are you? Mm. It was going through my mind over and over. I was getting really angry. Though eventually, I realised she hadn't actually done anything wrong. Mm. She just gave me two options. Mm. Yeah, I created all these stories in my own mind, but she didn't feel angry like me. She was fine. Mm. It is messing with me. And she was right. So I, um, yeah, I decided to get out of dealing as a stepping stone. Mm. And then it took me three months after that to finally stop coke at the time. But here, now I'm at a place where I feel like my fix is, you know, it's gone. Mm. So I adopt other habits, DJing, guitar, the gym. So healthy habits this time. Well, yes, it doesn't mean it's healthy. So, so I got into the gym when I was 14. Right mm. now, 
So at 14, have you replaced drugs for the gym? Or are you still doing drugs as well? Well, I'm still doing, I'm still smoking pot, still doing MDMA and all that stuff, just no coke. Yeah. Um, yeah, my girlfriend at the time started, you know, doing similar things. So like, she was okay with it. And um, yeah, so I, I kept at it. Anyways, going to the gym, but get this right. I'm now extremely skinny. Mm. I've been, well, at that point, like what, four or five months off coke. I'm now like, I'm, I'm, I'm a twig. I'm insecure, I don't like how I look. I want, I want muscles, I want abs, but I don't have it. Even though I'm really skinny, I don't like how I look. I go to the gym. Now, it was <laughs> only a few weeks into it. And at school, I remember, I was at the change rooms, got change, and as I took my top off, some of the boys in the older grades, two grades above me, were, they're like, Jesus, Matt's put on some size. Wow. Even though they barely knew me. And here are older, older guys talking about my body and like hyping me up. Mm -hmm. and, all, and all the guys in my, in my grade that were in the change rooms as well were saying the same thing. And now outside in the, in the playground, people are asking me, geez, Matt, how, how do you gain all this muscle and all this stuff? My ego started to love it. Mm -hmm. The connection that I was after this entire time, I was now starting to get from you know, external validation. And then at the end of that year, year nine, the camp, it was like we're at the beach, it was the first or second day. And I was in the water after 10, 15 minutes, my mate comes out. Wait, Matt, so was talking shit about you back there to the, other, to the other teacher. I'm like, what do you mean? Why would he be talking about me? He's like, look, <laughs> he reckons you're on gear. He reckons you're on steroids. I'm like, you serious? He was like, yeah, well, are you on steroids? I was like, I don't know, well, I suppose I am. And I, just, I, and, I, and I actually went along with this narrative that I was on steroids, mm -hmm. even though I never touched it. Wow. Now everyone in my grade sign asked me as well. And it's become this freaking thing. Now, in my mind, the Christmas holiday is only a week away or whenever it was. I want to come back and no one recognized me. I want to blow up. Mm. And I did. And you know what? From that moment, I bulked up. In eight months, I put on 30 kilos. In four months, I dropped, I dropped 20 kilos in four months just for this one photo. At the end of year nine, I was like, I know exactly what pose I'm going to make, how I'm going to look for this one photo I want as my Facebook photo. Wow. And I got that photo. And dude. <laughs> so did you jump on gear to get that photo? Pardon? Did you jump on gear at that point to get the photo? No. Just no gear? No gear. Wow. And everyone thought I was, I was juiced up, all that stuff. And this is pumping up my tires. I mean, like, <laughs> I yeah. can't tell you, right? Especially in year nine. Especially in year nine, Now it's year 10, right? Yeah. Where I'm like, yeah, it's just, oh, the ego is being flared up. And everyone in the world's like, Jesus, Matt's so disciplined. Matt's this, he's that. Biggest guy at the school, yada, yada, yada. And I posted the photo, all the likes, the comments, the friend requests, the girls inboxing me. I got it, yeah, it was all there, right? Everything I pictured and wanted this entire time, right? Everything that any boy wants at 18, 17, 16 years old you had, yeah. essentially. Yeah, 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 dude, it's exactly that. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, man, because like, it's all the external validation in the world was not enough to heal an internal wound that was sitting there for four years. And that a week, a, a freaking week after that photo is taken, all the pain and shame, hate and self-hatred I feel inside brings me to a point where no matter how my body looks or whatever, I threw myself off a building 20, mm. um, uh, January 9th, 2016, mm. to try to end my own life because I couldn't take it anymore. And here's this image of Matt's confident, he's this and that, and now I'm in hospital. And I woke up two weeks later. So what I, just for people, yeah, yeah. to just the timelines, 
you've had your photo at the end of year 10. You, so the very beginning of 2016. So 2016. So year 10, year 10's over. over. I'm about to go into year 11. Yep. yep. I'm, I'm 16 years old. And a week later, I attempt after that photo. Wow. A week after that photo. Yeah, a week after the photo. The day before, so the night before, we're supposed to go on a family holiday. And, you know. So what, what was that week like leading up to? Did you know you, you were going to do what you did? Like, what was, was it deteriorating it or? So, remember how I mentioned I had a perfect image of how I was going to look? I also had a perfect image of how I was going to end my life. Really? Around that time, I'd been planning exactly how I was going to do it. I knew exactly how, I knew where, I knew what time of day. I just didn't know when. When I was going to do it, I, I, I never knew. I just knew it was coming. I firmly believed for so long that I'm worthless, I'm a waste of space, people are better off without me, why am I here anymore? I can't I don't understand it. And that day, it wasn't like it was anything different or whatever. But if you knew me, you would know something was up. Right, I'm usually an early riser, get up 5, 5.30, make my brekkie. But that morning I was up quite late. And mum's like, Matt, you're up. <laughs> why'd you wait so long to come upstairs and make breakfast? You're gonna come to the gym with me today? I wanna train with you. And I'm like, mum, I don't wanna train today, I'm fine. She's like, what do you mean, Matt? You've been coming to the gym six days a week since you've started. You haven't missed a day. It's a Saturday. We're gonna go on holidays tomorrow. You, what's, what, what's the go? You might have no gym for a week. I'm like, mum, I'm tired. It's one day, forget it. Now that day I didn't do much. I just basically played with my guitar. I helped my dad out with a few things, stayed in my room. Didn't really talk to anyone. But that night, it's like those three questions, you know, am I a valuable part of society? What's the meaning of my life? If I was dead, would anything change? Those questions are still heavy on my mind. And they're at a point now where I can't even bring to words how they feel. But they brought me to a point where I said, you know what, why don't I actually answer those questions? It will fulfill the answer I have for these questions. And I pulled out my phone. I just was like, is there anyone on my contacts that would care if I was, wasn't here anymore? The only person I sent a message to was my girlfriend at the time. Wow. It's the same one. Yeah, and um, she, yeah, I sent the message and left my phone on my bed. I didn't want anything stopping me that night. I knew for a fact. And that, that message was, told her what you were about to do? That message was a basically a, a just a word vomit of everything that was on my mind. Just like, this is the thing, right? When you know it's all coming to an end, you don't really hold back. Mm. It all just comes out. Mm. It's like, I have nothing to lose. Here it is. And you know what? Some of the stuff I said, that was really fucking dark. Some of it was also really sweet. Some of the things that maybe she, she needed to hear mm. earlier, like how much I loved her, how much she did for me, how much, yeah, what she meant to me. Mm. Maybe if I said that earlier on, that would have made a difference. Who knows? <sighs> Though, yeah, I sent it and I snuck out of my house. Now, I used to sneak out through a window in the garage. You should leave it just, you know, crack open so I could sneak back in. But the thought of having to face my parents, if I had done it, <laughs> Didn't even slip my mind. Mm. I was like, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't gonna come back. Mm. Me leaving my friend in my bed was a, like, that's it. A somewhat of a sign that like, no, I, I, I so firmly believe that I'm, I'm not coming back. I shut the window, and I started walking. And man, it's about a 15 minute walk. What and were the thoughts going through your mind at that 15 minutes? 
Were you re-asking yourself those three questions or? More solidifying the fact that I'm worthless. Mm. Because to bring yourself to a point where you are going to try to end your own life, you're not thinking anything's fucking worth it. You're not, and to bring myself to the point where I have snuck out of my house, sent my girlfriend an enormous message, no way back in, there's no thought of going back. And believing for so long that you're worthless, no one gives a shit, you're not even thinking about would it affect other people. You believe you're worthless, this is a good thing for others. That even when I got on the roof, there was no second thought. I just, I knew, and the, man, I, I visualized the exact point in the building I was gonna jump. So just for everyone out there, are you able to share us which roof you're at, where you whereabouts you jump from? That's something I'm, I, I'm not thinking on sharing. Though, yeah, when it comes to that, man, there was, yeah, I even remember the point of just, you know, jumping. Mm. I don't remember hitting the ground, but the only thought was like, finally. Mm. It's now been four years of, yeah. Really? So what happens next? You wake up in hospital. Yeah. How many days later is this? Well, two weeks later I woke up and um, yeah, thinking, you know, nothing's, okay. I say this with a <laughs> When I say nothing's different, mentally and emotionally I'm in the same place, if not worse, because the one thing I wanted to do, I freaking failed at. You know, if I was worthless beforehand, how pathetic am I now for the fact that I'd failed? But not only the fact that I'd failed, but now ended up in a position where I have physically challenged. I've got, a, I've got a spinal cord injury, I've got a brain injury, all these broken bones, yada, yada, yada. It's, the whole list goes on. And I freak out because I can't, I can't feel or function half my body. Yeah. Like there was no sensation like from like basically like mid, like top of my, my waist yeah. down. Nothing, and I was like freaking out. You couldn't move your arms at that point? Well, my arms were both on cast, I broke both my wrists, right? And oh, um, oh, both on slings, I couldn't really move. <laughs> Tubes going through you, all that stuff, oh, yeah. Oh, do you mind if I ask, what was it like, do you have any, like between when you've jumped to when you've wake up, is there any space in between there that you can recall or no. is it just like being asleep? No, I was, I was supposed to force into a coma um, yeah, I don't remember anything though, yeah. between jumping and yeah, waking up. Although ICU was a big blur in itself though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. <laughs> and then, I mean, a month later, I'm in the spinal ward upstairs, but everyone's older than me, right? And they're all asking the exact same question. Why are you in here? You're so young, you're 16 years old. Why do you have a spinal cord injury? What happened? People that come to visit, even complete strangers in public, you know, what happened? Why are you in the wheelchair? What happened to you? Yada, yada. I didn't like talking beforehand. <laughs> well, I was anything yeah, different um, now. And I always say the same thing, you know, had an accident, uh, but you can't get away with that on, on a spinal ward. So I said I had a fall. I wasn't lying, but I couldn't come to terms with the fact that I failed. I, was, I felt a lot of shame uh, though. And even like seeing psychologists twice a day. Like, so you know, did you before, tell your family what had happened or did, well, or was it still a fall to them? I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. I did my best, my absolute best to hide the fact that I was depressed for so long. Yeah. I made no effort to hide the fact that I attempted suicide. Mm. It was clearly an attempt. Yeah. Mm. I was sober. There was nothing. Yeah. There was no reason for me to be at the bottom 
of a shopping uh, car park of a shopping mm. center like I was. Last time my parents saw me, I was in my room playing mm -hmm. guitar. They just went up and went to sleep. Rough yeah. on your parents too, your family, everybody. This is the one thing that I unfortunately can't answer, but really like wonder what it was like to wake up that morning, your son, your brother, not be there. Mm. But to find out he's, a, he's in the bottom of a yeah. 35 meter building and it's broken, bruised and freaking. So it was yeah. 35 meters tall yeah. before. Yeah, well, that's what wow. I, yeah, I read, Hypothetical, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I estimated. Well, that's an estimate, yeah, yeah. Wow. So you've come out, you've come out of hospital, everything, you, you're starting to work through it. How long did it take? Because now I, like, I've known of you and about you for, I'd say, over a year now. And I know your story and I, I see you on Facebook and Instagram and you're one of the most positive people you can ever find. What changed? Mm. What changed? Yeah. yeah. It, um, the first turning point I had was when I was in hospital. So it was with, I was with my mum. We went to Penrith. So from rural North Shore to Penrith, we, went, we caught a train and I got some, these two piercings on my eyebrow. And man, I was like, you know, I don't know if you guys have gotten piercings or tattoos in the past, but there's something cool about it. It's like, look at me, like you're feeling good sort of thing. It's like a new care cut, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and... Um, it's like a new toy for a bit. That's it, that's yeah. it, right? And, you know, you're feeling a little bit lighter. I'm on the train, back to the hospital, and halfway through the trip, this guy comes on. Never met him in my life. Real bogan sort of personality, though. <laughs> he doesn't have a filter. Comes on the train, like before he even sits down, looks to his right, and he's like, what did you do to yourself? And like, it was pretty like out there, pretty loud. Yeah. <laughs> but I swear to you, it was a mixture of how abrupt he was, but also how happy I was with these piercings. It just sort of came out. I didn't even think. I was like, oh, I, I attempted suicide. And he no. starts laughing at me. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was pretty fucking stupid, wasn't it? Oh, really? <laughs> That was his reaction, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> And I, <laughs> I didn't know how to respond. I just laughed at him at the time because <laughs> I was uncomfortable. But the next morning, I woke up feeling, you know, a little bit lighter. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. And, and I, I, again, wasn't thinking. It just sort of happened. Yeah. I went and saw my social worker without waiting for her to chase me up. I shared what had happened, what the guy in the train, how he was, what he said and all that stuff. That's so interesting. But she's like, Matt, so you're telling me you spoke up, well, spoke, you, you told someone the truth for the first time in four months and you woke up feeling lighter. And you, I don't know, Matt, is there something there in that? What if you were to open up to the people close to you in life? I don't know, could you potentially strengthen the relationship you already have with them? Man, those, those words will never leave my head. I, I, I really mean this because at the time I didn't want to hear it. I didn't like talking, but I, um, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I cut the conversation, but her words stuck, stuck with me. And that afternoon when my girlfriend came to visit, when she asked, how are you, Matt? I actually told her the truth. Mm. And now this was a really big moment for me because in my mind, four months ago, I was ripped. I was muscular. I was lean. I was looking great. I was the mm. quote unquote best I'd ever been, <laughs> physically at least. I'm comparing myself. Now I'm in a wheelchair. I'm scrawny. I'm skinny. All the muscles have freaking melted. I am like, I'm, I'm in a wheelchair. I can't function or feel half my body. I'm judging myself heavily. Why do you still love me? And she's saying, Matt, I've never felt closer to you 
Wow. And I've never appreciated you more. It's the first time I feel like you've been real with me. Wow. And even, say, even saying that to this day, like, it, it like hits a soft spot because it was the, it was the one thing I, I just didn't do for so long. And now I'm starting to talk up to some of my friends and, some, and even my parents who I, I swore to you I was never going to speak up to. But it's amazing how my social work was right. Mm. Those who valued me as much as I valued them, our relationship grew so much closer. Mm. At the end of that year, I was now home at this stage. My social worker asked me to come back just for a, um, for a meeting. She wanted to ask me to speak at the hospital's program called the party program. 30 or so young people come in every week or every two weeks or whatever. And I was like, look, I'm not too sure. But she's like, Matt, remember what the guy on the train did for you? Mm. What if you could help others help you as well? Mm. And that stuck with me. Mm. And before, I mean, like it, it just, it came out intuitively. I just said, yeah, why not? Because mm. I was just thinking, wow, how, how would that feel? And so March, 2017 was my first time sharing. And yeah, I was scared, just <laughs> nervous as, what are they all thinking of me and all that stuff? And as I'm thinking that, they come up and shake my hand and thank me. Mm. Matt, thanks for sharing. Matt, I got a lot from hearing that. Matt, yeah, this, this. And I was like, wow. In the moment, it didn't really hit me. But when I was by myself, when I was outside, and I was heading back to the, the bus stop. Man, it just, I just, I just bucketed in tears. Like, honestly, just bawling my eyes out. I've got two voices in my head going on at this stage, right? Like the voice that's been there for five years, like Matt, you're worthless. What are you doing, Matt? Why are you still here? And then Matt, no, you inspired someone. Someone got something out of you today and you're of value. I, yeah, I was, it was quite overwhelming, man. And I was asked, like whilst on the way to the bus stop one in this emotional state, I get a call from the manager of the program. She's like, Matt, you don't understand what impact you had today. I would love for you to come to that school next week to share your story at their parents' evening. I was like, yeah, why not? Mm. I just, the, how I felt in that moment was just, I didn't even think, I just said, yeah. And my parents drove me. It was, you know, <laughs> mom and dad being there was actually kind of a big deal. The same result happened afterwards, had young people thanking me and actually asking for advice this time. But on the way back to the car, the way back home, sorry, when we're in the car, my dad asked me, Matt, do you see yourself actually taking this somewhere? Do you think it'd be possible? And in that, I took a while to respond, but like in that moment, I had actually realized I had young people coming up to me, asking for advice about how they can help themselves with their mental health. That's the one thing I didn't do before my injury. I never spoke up. I never approached anyone how I could support myself. Hmm. Why was the broken on on the train, why was the, my social worker so, like, why did that play such a big role in my life? They were real with me. What was I, when I spoke to everyone, I was real. Mm. I was the person I needed when I was 12 years old. Mm. And it, like, honestly, even just saying that now, it, it like, it, like, yeah. It's like, it, Yeah, man, it's like, at the, in that moment, I was like, yeah, I, I do, I do. And I decided to take it somewhere. And I just kept at it, and I matched, what I love and what I did every day. I was still in school, yeah. I didn't really pursue it until after I finished school. Mm. But I decided, no, I'm gonna get into this. And, but it, and look, I'm not speaking every day. No, I'm not. But 
even conversations like this, whether it's a phone call, I'm cold calling a school or whatever, even that's exciting for me because now I'm one step closer to where I wanna be. Do I like cold calling? No, but do I like the result? Yes, I do. Yeah. I'm very blessed to be in the position that I am and I wouldn't change anything. So Matt, with your experience to date, have you managed to come up with any answers to those three questions you had originally before your jump? Yeah, that's a really good question there. I have, I have. Firstly, I'll, I'll reverse my order of questions. Do I add any value to society? Absolutely. Absolutely. The workshops that I've run I, I, and the feedback that I get, I know for a fact. And yeah, I don't, I don't need to um, say, say much more than that. I know my value. So if I was gone dead and anything changed, absolutely. Now, mostly I've worked with high schools. I'm breaking to the corporate world like over the last, I would say, year or so. It's been an interesting journey. But I've spoken, I know, to high school students, over 12,000 students. That is an impact that not many people can say they've had. And, and that's the, only they're the ones that now. need the, the most as well, because these are these are the people that are going through a lot of things and at that sort of age, like I've been through that sort of stuff at that age, like you don't you don't have the tools to know how to understand. Like I couldn't speak to my parents about stuff. Mm. I couldn't speak to my mates about that stuff. I'd sound like the bitch. Like you can't do that. So a hundred percent, you sp like if I heard your story when I was 16, 17 years old, that'd help immensely. Mm. The thing about mental health, it's so swept under the rug. Mm. And because it's uncomfortable. Talking about your emotions is essentially like walking around outside naked because you're showing people who you really are, so to speak, mm. right? You're showing the deeper emotions that are really going on, showing your side that's more sensitive. We all have emotions. This affects every one of us. I don't care who you are. And the thing about it is, we're not addressing it. We keep sweeping shit under the rug. The rug will eventually rot over time. And once that rug rots, it's no good. You have to throw it out. But if you clean the mess, address the dirt that's there, then we start seeing progress. Mm, for yeah. sure. And we need to be addressing it in a, in a very, very positive way. Because it's mental health. It's very sensitive. But like addressing the bad stuff, but also giving a positive light and hope at the end of it that we can get better and people can change as a result. They don't have to be caught up and stuck for years of, oh man, yeah. I've, mm. The reason I'm getting quite <laughs> intense is because I've been at conferences where I've heard uh, depression's a lifelong illness, we can't cure anxiety and all this stuff and there's a fire inside of me. And when I, I remember, like in, yeah, one time in particular, going up and sharing the exact opposite like, look, I'm a representation of what bad mental health can lead to, but I'm also a representation. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. We don't need to be trapped here and we can't overcome these struggles. You I could have easily sat in that, in that hospital bed and never left. You could have just sat there and sat in bed and not done anything with your life ever, mm. ever, ever since after that. You've flipped it on its head and now you're out here actually providing value to people, helping people through bad shit. Mm. And that's powerful to me. Yeah, man. It's, um, it's, uh, it affects everyone. Mm. And it, it's, uh, it's alarming me how much it's, it's how prevalent it is. Mm. Like people ask me, Matt, you were 12 years old. You were too young. I remember my first time speaking to a grade of year sevens and having young people in that grade come up to me and ask the same questions. 
sharing stuff that I was sharing. Sharing like, like, like I've, I've felt depressed now for like X number of years. I've been feeling this and this. I've been thinking this and this and ask myself that. It doesn't discriminate. It's around. And just because it's not your experience doesn't mean it's not someone else's. And yeah. Do, do, those, do those thoughts or questions ever pop back up into your mind? It's a great question. I would say my mindset is so different now that it's like, because honestly, there might be a passing thought link that might be because of an old, old subconscious like program I have in my mind, right? Like that might pop up. Oh, this would be easier if I wasn't here anymore. But it's literally a matter of a passing thought. I don't even like mm. really feel anything or think mm. anything further. I just somewhat, sometimes, sometimes I would say I probably don't even realize it, but like it just wipes away because my mindset's different. Mm. Now, am I depressed, anxious or suicidal? No, but I still get emotional. Mm. That's the thing, right? We, I, I'm still human, still have emotion, but doesn't mean I'm in the same place. Mm. It's very different. I got a good question for you. What did you do to improve your mindset? So for people that are listening that haven't had a fall or an injury to then have to work on, what are some things people can do on their mindset you know, without having to go through a similar experience yourself? Mm. And now, I, I, obviously, that being obviously a really big question, and I, I'll have to... It, it, everything's different for everyone in their situation, circumstances. But the first thing is keep connections, good connections in your life. Cherish and water those plants. Like, you need to be... It's really key that we have a supportive network in our lives so we don't feel like we're carrying the weight of the load up the hill ourselves. No. We, we, can, we can have some support. We don't have to carry the bricks up the hill. But also to make sure you surround yourself with that supportive network, make sure they're good quality people. Mm. How do you want to feel more in your life? Mm. And are the people in your life making you feel that? Mm. Like we can hang around people that we think are supportive, that we think are great, they're cool. You know, they do a lot of drugs. They, you know, they hang out with like all, all these people. They get a lot of girls and whatnot. And they're popular. They're, they're rich, all that stuff. Yeah, that's all well and good. But then... If I feel like I'm belittled as a result of hanging out with you because you treat me like shit, I feel frustrated. You know, it's a little bit exciting maybe because there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of variety in what we do. But if I feel less as a result, why am I hanging around you? No. Yeah. You give the illusion that I, that I, of like, of I suppose connection that like, but we don't really vibe that well. Mm. So making sure you're around people that truly support you, make you feel how you want to feel more of, that's such a key thing. Yeah. Big time. And yeah. in, in terms of changing your mindset and stuff, did you start reading books? Is it, just so everyone knows, you're now writing a book. Mm. Um, did you end up getting into personal development in terms of courses, books, that sort of stuff after? Or mm. where, where was your head at? I started getting into personal development while I was in high school. Yeah, yeah. I was blessed where things just laid themselves out like they did. And I um, first book I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Great book. That book turned my life around. Read that book? Of course. <laughs> Great book. <laughs> I've read it. But um, the book that really shifted my help, it didn't shift my mindset. The, what really shifted my mindset was finding speaking because I was now living with purpose. But, and by the way, that wasn't a click decision. It took years for that to change. But the book that really like, turned things around for me, that helped like, me with a lot of things was The Power of Now 
Eckhart Tolle, that book is beyond like anything I've ever come across. The Power of Now by who? Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle, yeah. Yeah. It's actually on the coffee table at home at the moment. Is it? Yeah. I'll have to listen to it. It's by, it's, um, no. I, I personally, it's, it's a book you want to listen, read, read, not so much listen to. Yeah, on your coffee table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might, borrow, yeah. might have to borrow. Have it. you ever experienced any of Tony Robbins' material? Yeah. Tony Robbins, Joe Dispenza did some of that stuff. Yeah, even Di Martini. Yeah. yeah, I um, although, what I've come to realize, we're all saying the same thing in our own way. Mm. That that's really what this whole personal development game is. And if I had to sum it up, I'm yeah. Be you, just be authentic. That, that's literally, yeah. <laughs> if you've got the secret to this whole thing, it's literally it. It is, yeah. just be yourself at all times, right? Well, yeah. Um, quick question, where where do you see yourself in the next three, five years? Where do you where are you taking this? Where's, what's your goals at? Yeah, definitely more international stuff. Like yeah. speaking internationally, running workshops internationally, not just speaking at corporations and high schools, but now facilitating my own workshops that I run where it's like, people are coming to me, I'm not going to a company or whatever. But um, yeah, so obviously I'm, I'm writing my book, the first draft's done, I'm looking for publishers at the stage. I'm gonna also look to, yeah, I, I, I have this like idea in my mind of a business called See What's Real and um, really un- unfolding that. I've got a few ideas in the back of my mind, but um, yeah, that's where I see this. It's going to be a fun journey to watch, my friend. Very fun. Man, I'm, yeah, really grateful. Beautiful. (laughs) Dude, yeah. Now, um, one last question for me. What would, I know you're talking, you've spoken a whole lot of advice today, but for that one person that's out there that may be listening to this, that's going through a really, really, really tough time, what would be, what would you say to them right now? If that person was talking to you, what would you say to them? Mm. So if how they're feeling, what they're thinking and all that stuff that's going on for them, if that was someone else mm. and they were replaying their thoughts and their emotions to themselves, how would they support that person? Would they support that person? Because mm. if they can find it in themselves to support someone else who they don't even know, mm. they have it within themselves to see uh, maybe there's a point or something for me. There's a way that I can support myself. Wow. That's what I would say. And that, yeah. That's an interesting answer. Great answer. Interesting answer. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, man. Matt, my yeah. last question for you is where do you see the purpose in your life now? Now? So what's the meaning of my life? To inform, inspire, and influence millions of mindsets for them to create positive change in their lives. That's that, awesome. That's my mission. That's awesome. Well, mate. Thank you. We really, really appreciate Mate, you having yeah. us on. Wow. Such a, great, <laughs> such a great change of pace. And like, I know. It's funny because like, you know, Kevin and myself, we're in that core, that real estate game where it's very mm. easy to get trapped in the external, mm. you know, the flashy uh, objects, the, mm. the nice money or whatever the case may be. But it's refreshing to hear an experience where, you know, working on the, the soul and the internal can give you... The, the juice that life is. Well, you mm. forget what, what's actually really important mm. at times. You do. There's a facade. There's a social facade. There's an egotistical facade. People get caught, caught in all the glitz and glam. 
But at the end of the day, like what you were talking about, you were jacked up, you had all this, I could be wearing this and having all this nice stuff. And at the end of the day, if you're not happy, you're not happy, it doesn't matter. Mm. So, um, a- absolutely. And the thing is, right, especially in like the real estate game, you guys have a high pressure, like you, you want to hit your numbers and make sure like, you know, things are on point. I mean, that high pressure situation causes a lot of stress, Men- mental pressure, right? You carry that home. And you bring that to your family. And then mm. now the relationship, the dynamic there starts to take a toll. And mm. then, then that carries over to your friends. Your whole life is affected by our mindset, whether we see it or not. And if we can work to not only strengthen it up, but also strengthen the relationships and connections in our life, our lives will be more whole. 100%. Whether we have money or not. Agreed. And yeah. Agreed. Legendary awesome. advice. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, thank you wow. so much, man. That was awesome, bro. What a podcast. Yeah. Thank you for coming on, brother. I enjoyed it, man. That was good. Wow, you've got a fucking story, my friend. And you know what I really love? Can I just say this? I really fucking love that you're actually going out there and you're going for it. You're not yeah. just waiting for it to happen. Yeah. You're cold, cold calling. Cold. You're cold calling schools. You're not just fucking letting people... Like, that's what we did. So, for me, when, like, to get to the point that I'm at now, I was out there door knocking every Sunday for six, seven hours. Like, that's just what was happening. Like, every day, cold calling, door knocking, cold Mm. calling, door knocking. It's fucking shit. I hate it. But you have to do it to get somewhere. And it's, it's fucking, it's such, it's so good to see someone in your position going out there and being hungry and attacking it, too. Mm. Yeah. I can't wait to see where you're at in five years. From now, man. I can't wait. I fucking hope you just fucking blow up. I really do. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Fucking hell. No, that's it's exciting. I <laughs> see conversations like this, like, yeah, mean the world to me. It's because it's the real conversation. Whether it's my story or whatever, no, it's about mental health. And it's about also the shit that no one really else addresses. And yeah. so yeah, I really appreciate it. Seriously.